You're listening to the Epic All Day Podcast with Jim Simcoe. I'm here to help you make your life epic, so let's get rolling with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Epic All Day Podcast. This is Jim Simcoe. I am so excited to talk to my friend Trisha Moore today. Trisha is here in our office. We are lounging on the comfortable chairs and she is beautiful Ozzy, her dog, sitting on her lap. Hi, Trish. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good, good. Thank you so much for being here. Trish is also going to be the MC at our event, the Hero Up Summit, that you can check out at heroupsummit.com, heroupsummit.com. She's going to be the master of ceremonies and she is going to bring her quadruple espresso level of energy to the group. So I'm so excited that you're going to be here. Um, so like I told you before, one of my most popular podcasts is the podcast of you talking about how to run a marathon. And so we were talking about this the other day in the gym and Trish was saying like, Hey, we should do another one on diet and wellness and nutrition and just overall health. And I was like, okay, that's great. Cause Trisha has like, you know, 8% body fat, 4% body fat, whatever it is. <laughs> and she's the most, she's the healthiest person that I probably know. That's Ozzy shaking himself. So I wanted to have you come in again and, and get into that kind of conversation because I think it'd be so valuable for people. So in your world, what are some of the biggest health mistakes that you see people make as a coach, as just someone going through the day-to-day of dealing with a variety of different people? Um, and first of all, thank you for being here. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super happy to come talk about it. Um, I think health and and wellness means different things to different people. Right. At the end of the day, you know, in this, for this question, I'm going to assume we're talking about somebody who, um, may have, you know, a nine to five job, um, a spouse, a partner, um, a family, maybe some pets and wants to come into the gym and just, you know, optimize the hour that they can. Yes. Um, and what we find is that they come in and they're enjoying the process. They're feeling good. And they reach a point where they're like, God, you know, I really, you know, I want to do better. I want to be able to breathe better. I want to be able to lift more. I want my lower back to, um, be healthy. I want to, you know, have my joints move in full range of motion. You know, how do I do that? And then the question becomes, well, tell me a little bit about what, what you do outside of the gym. And so our time outside of the gym proves to be as important, if not more important than the time we spend in the gym. Right. And so our time outside of the gym, we tend to socialize a lot. We rest, we work, right? And so how do you do those things? Right. So if your idea of kind of burning off steam is having a drink or two or three, maybe overeating a little bit, eating things that taste really good, but you really know aren't good for you. Right. That's going to be something that will inhibit your training. Um, if you're somebody who, um, likes to go out and run or go to the gym and train that may enhance your training. Right. So it just kind of depends on the individual and what their general you know desires are but what i see in general is that we express uh, we meaning like our population our american population express just wanting to have a release and right. we find that often in food and drink yes and and truly i am new to social media and I'm shocked at the amount of alcohol and food I see on social media. It's crazy. It's like anytime someone has a, a cool looking meal, it's crazy. They yeah. have to take a picture of it. Yeah. It's the same thing if they have like some cool looking drink. Yeah. So that tells me it's important to people. Um, so, you know, if you want to improve your training, you're going to have to focus in a little bit on your alcohol consumption and diet. So, do you think that the, one of the biggest mistakes is that people don't? realize how important that aspect of their life affects their overall health. Yes. And, and I believe there's a lack of discipline. Yeah. So people know they shouldn't have chili cheese fries, but they taste really good. And when you're out to lunch, you know, and you, you're out to lunch with your spouse or your friend or whatever it is, and they order it, God, you don't want to be the guy, the guy who orders a You don't salad, want to be the guy who says no. Right. <laughs> You don't want to be the guy who orders a salad, unfortunately. So there's, you know, there's social pressure. And right. so that is an issue and it can be really hard for people. Social pressure is incredibly powerful. 
Yeah. You know, it's incredible. Peer pressure doesn't stop after the teen years. It continues on. No, I actually on. think it gets, I was reading something somebody said, I don't even remember where it was, but I actually think it gets worse as you get older. Like I can tell you as like being, being a dad and you know, when you go to a, I agree, you go to a party or whatever and everyone's like, Hey, do you want a beer? And I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah. Cause I don't really drink. And you know, sometimes people will look at you funny or whatever and just kind of interesting. Like that's kind of like, Oh, come on. I've just, just have one beer. It's only five o'clock, yeah. you know, just have a beer. And I'm like, I'm not interested in the beer. Um, I think there's almost more social pressure now, especially when you look at different communities who are in like, you know, super gluten free or you no know, dairy, vegan, whatever, which we're in a lot of those communities mm -hmm. that can also, there's can be some pressure along those lines. And I think that some of the, um, some of the pressure to do everything right mm -hmm. and, and really eat a hundred percent perfectly, I think can cause so much other stress because you're trying to do it right you know, the whole way through. And it's just not, it's just not possible to do that. I did a little bit of research probably about 12 years ago into becoming a sole vegan. Right. And I did this because my husband was having issues with gout and gout right. is, is inflammation of horrible. your joints. It's really painful. The doctors wanted to put him on medicine and I was just mortified. I, I, and I said, I, I think we can help you solve this through nutrition. Let's learn about it and let's see how nutrition can affect the way your body is um, processing these proteins. Is this something that we can maybe potentially cure or reduce your symptoms if we change your nutrition? And one of the um, methods they talked about was absolutely no meat. There's can be no meat in the diet, which led to all right. So I guess he's going to become a vegetarian. What does this look and feel like? And right. why would you do this? And so I, I read so many books and I did so much research. And one of the key points that I remember from one of the books I read was the author had said, in becoming a vegetarian or whatever diet method you choose, it is most important that you don't push that diet on anybody else. Right. So when you're sitting at Thanksgiving dinner and you decide you don't want turkey or whatever your choices are, like you don't need to publicize year. it, right? right? You don't need to publicize it. Just right. do your thing and do whatever it is you're doing for you. Right. And I have, I found that to be such good advice, not just to be a vegetarian, which by the way, I'm not because I think I would die if I was a vegetarian. <laughs> That's, <laughs> I can't, I we can't, don't want that. no, I, I can't, I can't consume enough calories being a vegetarian. It's just not, not the right diet choice for me, but it may be for, for some. And so is it my place to say you should or should not do something? No. Um, but to answer your question, I think it's, you know, the judgment and the social pressure can be very powerful, whether you're trying to be uh, very, very disciplined or overly disciplined or really loose and just really, you know, having pizza and beer, you know, whenever you want, even though, you know, you shouldn't. So um, I think the individual has to be intrinsically motivated to make food and diet choices right. that will promote the end goal of their, um, you wellness know, wellness or whatever wellness, whether it be, uh, breathing better from a cardiovascular perspective, whether it be strength gains and getting better lifting weights, uh, whatever that individual's goal is. And the goals that we have today aren't going to be the same goals we have in six months. Right. Right. The, right. the goals evolve, but the process that we adhere to is what really matters and what stays with us. Hmm. What do you, so what is, so what do you think the biggest mistakes, what are some of the mistakes you see people make in relation to their health and fitness or their health and wellness? I mean, it sounds like not being aware of what they're eating or not, not giving that stuff enough weight mm -hmm. in terms of their overall health. But do you see other things that you talked about lack of discipline? Um, the importance of mobility is often very overlooked. Super overlooked. It is. It's, um, it, it is this, and it is the same pattern that, will display in food choices and diet choices. So, you know, you come into the gym, you want to be able to have a good arm position overhead. Are you addressing that outside of the gym? Um, are you taking extra time to mobilize? If there's pain and there's imbalance from right to left side, for example, does chiropractic care or, um, 
additional, you know, soft tissue work from a right, massage therapist or a practitioner of a similar discipline, is that needed? Right. Are you investigating that? Do you care enough to put in the time to investigate that? And most people don't, or not that they don't care enough. Most people either don't know where to go right. or they don't have time. Like, it's interesting. I just got in the mail last night, which I thought was funny since I knew we were recording this podcast today. I got the Tom Brady book, the mm. TB12 method. Yeah. And he's got a whole section on pliability. Yeah. And, and he spends the majority of the beginning of the book talking about lengthening his muscles and making them softer so yeah. that he can uh, absorb impact. So he's healthier. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of hard to argue with the guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's 40 years old. He's the best quarterback in the league. He's won five Super Bowls. Like this guy is, is done extremely well and he's never hurt. Yeah. Uh, other than when he other than when he blew his knee out of, you know, in 2008, he really hasn't had a major injury or missed any time outside of that season. So that I think there's something to be said about pliability and, and mobility. And I think mm-hmm. you're right. Like people don't really talk about that that often. It's not It's not super sexy. It's not super sexy. It's boring and many associate mobility solely with yoga. Yes. And that isn't necessarily the only way. You don't have to dedicate an hour and go through um, a very, very intense yoga practice that may involve breathing and chanting or not. But you don't have to necessarily leave your house and dedicate time to a full, full class. You could easily sit on the couch while you're watching football or um, watching the evening news or whatever your normal evening routine is. And instead of sitting on the couch, sit on the floor. Right. I mean, just sitting on the floor motor. is like totally different than how most of us yeah. just kind of decompress. I know when I sit on the couch, I always kind of just curl up and I completely relax. Well, if I've trained really hard that day and I go sit on the couch, I'm probably going to tighten up. But if I go sit on the yeah. floor, put my legs in front of me, stretch out, you know, sometimes I'll put YouTube on because I don't have a TV. Um, and I'll just put YouTube on. You don't have a TV? No, you know, I just don't like the cable companies. They bug me. Okay. They're too expensive. They're never on time. I don't want to deal with them. Yeah. I like it. Good good for you. (laughs) I was just thinking like, okay, if you don't have a TV, how do you watch the Patriots on Sunday? (laughs) That's a whole different topic for a different podcast. I get it. That's something totally different. Yeah. I think that, I think that that's true. I mean, like I know that when little things we can do, there's little things we could do. I know that when I'm done working out and I come home and have dinner and then the girls go to bed and I get on the couch, I feel my whole body just sink into that thing. Yeah. And I'm just so relaxed. Mm-hmm. But I really probably should do either mobility work. Well, well, let me ask this question. When do you think the best time to do mobility work is? Is it after you work out, before you work out, beginning of the day, the end of the day? Like if, if I if I if I said, look, I can only I can give you 10 minutes of mobility work a day, when should when should I do it? Well, it depends on what the person's doing for physical work. So the the initial answer to that question is when you can do it. Okay. So that is my initial answer. However, physiologically speaking, mm-hmm. there's mobility and there's activation. So you want to, if you're going to go in- Tell and, me the difference between the two. Pretend, I'm, pretend well, I, have, I have no idea what you're talking about so, because I really don't so have So mobility, think of about. lengthening the muscle, making the tissue more pliable, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Working the joint in its full range of motion. Okay. Activation, think of stimulating the muscle, getting it primed to do the work that you're going to do. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So let's use a basic example of a squat. Okay. So we're going to squat. They say, well, you shouldn't stretch before you work out. You hear that a lot. Well, does that mean that I don't stretch out my hips when I have to really open them up to go into my squat? Gotcha. Okay. So the answer would be, in this example, you do a little bit of mobility for your hip, you do some activation, and then you go into your squat. If you're somebody that has only a certain amount of time, take many of our members, we do the activation and mobility first to get them ready to do the work. At Stratum, you do this? Yeah, that's what we do. Some gyms don't do that. Some gyms will have them do more of an aerobic warm-up not really any mobility beforehand and they do it after. I would argue that for our population level, 30s to 50-ish, probably not a good call for us. Our clients sit at their desks most of the day. They work hard. They need to activate and mobilize before, I would think. Yeah. Um, Now, if I was somebody that was doing more cardiovascular work, cyclical work, running, rowing, cycling... I don't feel the need to have to mobilize and activate before I go and do that. 
Right. So I think a lot of it depends on the physical work that the person is what doing. What you're actually doing. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but in general, let's say you're somebody that may go a day without going to the gym, like most people, probably at the end of your day, when you're mentally decompressing, your kids are in bed, you're finally able to chill for 45 minutes to an hour before you turn the lights out. Right. It's a really good way to just get your entire nervous system to slow down and mobilize. And that's how my husband started doing it. You know, I would encourage him to stretch um, while when we used to have a TV, um, while we're watching TV. And that's how he would do it. He would never do it at the gym. He just didn't put it together to do it on his own at the gym. Right. Um, but he would do it at night. And now it's his habit. It's his habit. He does, does it he every do? night. Do? Uh, his favorite stretches are, and he does the same stretches all the time, by the way, which is an issue. <laughs> because he should do a variety because you don't want to constantly be stretching the same stretch and then not counter stretching, right? Others. Um, but he's slowly, hopefully learning that maybe a little variety would help, (laughs) but I will say for, you know, somebody in their late forties, he's pretty mobile. You know, yeah. and it's because well, it's the, guy, his habit. the guy looks like he's in shape. I mean, it's it looks his like habit. He's... Yeah. So he stretches. He likes the legs apart, like a pancake stretch mm-hmm. um, for his um, inner thigh, a forward fold for his hamstrings, um, both seated and standing. Um, he likes to foam roll on his upper back. Um, he likes to put his you know feet together and and do like a butterfly stretch. Okay. And often that's all he do- he'll do. And it'll take him 10 minutes and he sits with the dog and he throws the ball as he stretches and then he goes to bed. So um, for him, he doesn't train every day, but that is his habit. Um, And that's, you know, it's certainly better than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. So what do you think, um, if you look at the overall health for people, let's say people in that age range, Mm -hmm. let's say late twenties to, to early fifties, mid fifties. What do you think are the three biggest keys to optimal health for that group? Cause, and I, and I say this because like, I know that when I was in my twenties and playing lacrosse in college and you know, I could work out, I could get up, eat crappy, mm-hmm. go to lacrosse practice, do lacrosse practice for a couple hours, mm-hmm. go have a crappy dinner in the dorm and then go work out for two hours after that. Then go to a party, mm-hmm. drink 87 beers after that, back when, you know, like that was when you were just drinking to get buzzed or whatever. Yeah. And be totally fine the next day and yeah. be able to do the entire thing yeah. all over. Whereas like right now, if I have half a beer, I'll feel it for three days straight. So what yeah. what are the three keys to optimal health for that group? So, you know, as we get older, our body expresses the result of the toxicity that we expose it to differently. Right. And as we get older... And um, more wise, I think it takes more awareness and more discipline to maintain our health. So I'm going to assume for this conversation that optimal health is simply, you know, remaining, having our health markers be optimal when we go to the doctor. So the numbers that- just feeling good. feeling good. Your numbers that the doctor are good. um, You have energy energy, for your life. Um, So the first thing would be sleep. Really? There is no question in my mind uh, that sleep is is absolutely one of the most important things, if not the most important thing that we can do. And and there's several. Interesting. I would not have thought that. Several reasons for that, and and, and the first is is just our mental um, our mental state, the way we form decisions, the way we think is clearer, and we are more cognitively aware. Right. If we have had a good night's sleep. Second. It allows our body to repair itself, our immune system to build, to our tissues to repair. And, and third, and you know, probably the most important is the hormone changes. Mm. So there are um, a lot of uh, you know, influences to our hormones, prescription drugs, lack of sleep, alcohol, training, training too little, training too hard. Right. Um, those hormones drive the way we interact throughout our day. And, um, that is a big deal. That is a really big deal. I will tell you that I have always needed a lot of sleep and if I don't get it, it's a problem. How many hours of sleep do you get a night? Nine. You get nine hours of sleep a night. I, I have to get in. I have to be in that bed and get nine hours. What time do you go to bed? 
early. This is a conversation we have all the time at the gym. I like to be in bed by eight. Wow. Yeah. And my body will automatically wake up about five. So that's nine, 10, 11, 12, one, two, three, four, five. Wow. Yeah. So I'm in bed. Does that mean I'm sleeping? No. Right. So if I wear my health tracker, it'll tell me that you're awake. I had, you know, nine hours of sleep, but only seven of those nine were quality. And then do you wake up on the alarm clock? I do, uh, but often I will wake up automatically. So being on the same routine is quite important to me. Right, because you teach at 6 a.m. Yeah, but I've always been that way. I don't like to stay up late and get up early. I don't function well. Um, And I have always kind of fought that social, of oh, Trisha has to leave early, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? I'm not a big boozer, never have been. Um, yeah, who cares? You know, I want to go home and get sleep so I feel good. And one of the things that I love is to get up and feel great the next morning. Right. That is a very empowering thing for me. And I've always been that way. Um, so that self-motivates me to get a good night's sleep. Okay. But there is a lot of research out there on the importance of sleep. And you, um, Under Armour, you know, they are the largest digital fitness company um, that there is right now. They purchased Matt My Run. They purchased MyFitnessPal, which is a uh, fitness application yeah, that you yeah. can log your food. Um, they are collecting data on people. And I just read in Fortune magazine that they are now um, comp- just completing um, the study of sleep and how it affects the people that are using their apps. And they're going to further um, dive into that marketplace with the information they have. But I think we're going to hear more and more about the importance of sleep. That's cool. Um, and I think it's something that we can all kind of relate to. We've all had a bad night's sleep and we can all control our sleep too. You know, ear, you can do earplugs, you can do these little bed phones that you put on your ears to help, you know, calm you down and it plays nice music for you and kind of gets you into that mind space. And just prioritizing that is very important. I think I find that I find that when I, um, after working out, I know that if I go to bed early afterwards and I've drank, you know, if I've had a lot of water and mm-hmm. I've eaten a good meal, like I get the best sleep Yeah, and I wake up great the next way, next day. And I don't wake up with an alarm clock and I wake up at five 30 mm-hmm. between five 30 and six every day. I don't wake up with an alarm clock. I don't have a need for coffee. Like there's, yeah. no, you know, I don't drink coffee as soon as the first thing in the morning, like a lot of other people. But so that's interesting that sleep is one of, all right. So what are the, what would you say the other two biggest keys to optimal health in your experience are? The second would be surrounding people that are like-minded. So if, you know, my husband is, you know, a healthy guy, he allows me to kind of choose our diet and I kind of charge that for the house. If he was somebody who was eating chili cheese fries all the time or, you know, just had bad food choices. And I don't know why I keep p- picking chili cheese fries is like the food, the evil food. <laughs> I, think, I, think <laughs> I have no good. idea, but you know, donuts or whatever, you know, I, I personally would, would not feel the need to eat these foods. I know that I'm kind of an outlier in that regard, but I think for most people it'd be really hard if my spouse didn't support yeah. that same mentality. Yeah, totally. Um, so, you know, spouse and friends that are like-minded, you know, that's why groups do so much better adhering to a fitness routine than individuals because there's power in numbers and that social pressure we talked about earlier can also form really good things too. So, so, so surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals. Yeah. What's interesting about that, and I, I never would have thought of that, but it's funny because at our gym at Stratum, you know, we have our 430 crew that we go every, almost every day mm-hmm. to work out and and um, there are a lot of days I don't want to work out. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of days where right. I'm just like, I'm tired or work is crazy or whatever, but I go because I don't want to let my friends down Yeah, and I want to see my friends. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I, I just feel like I should go. Yeah. Whereas like, I know a thousand, you know, a thousand times before that, when I was just going to a regular gym where I didn't know anybody, it was so easy to blow off workouts. Mm-hmm. It was so easy to just be like, ah, I don't have time. I don't yeah. want to go or go and do a really short kind of half-assed work mm-hmm. workout. Because you're not really invested. There's not really a community there. You're just kind of going and working out and leaving. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So what would what would be the third thing you would say? The third would be, I think, being open to new disciplines and new uh, practices, sports, new ways to stay active and fit, and new ways to feed yourself, too. Okay. So what we know today is wildly different than what we knew a year ago. The right. same mentality, you know, the same process is going to happen a year or two from now. How you train today might be different than how you train in a year or two. 
One of the things that I think is interesting is to hear individuals that are super vested in single sport work, like running or swimming or cycling. Mm -hmm. And um, I would hear often when I was involved with um, more endurance sports, oh, I hurt my ankle, I can't run. Oh, I hurt my knee, I can't run. I don't know what to do. That can cause a really negative path for somebody to go down because the hormones and chemicals that we release when we exercise aren't there for that person. And so they don't have, and they don't have the knowledge of I can learn how to swim or I can do yoga or they may not feel that that's worth their time right? Uh, because it's not running. It's not their sport of choice. And, and I believe very strongly that um, we need to keep learning. We need to keep moving. We need to be open-minded. Um, and I think that that will help when things pull you away. If you are an active person and you, and you have to work really hard for a month and you can't get into the gym, if you know how to do calisthenics and work with just your body weight at a park because you thought to yourself, you know, I can't make it to the gym. I still want to train. Is right. there another way I could do this? Right, if right, you're totally. open to that line of thinking, you're probably going to go to the park and do what you can for 30 minutes and right. you're going to learn something new. So there's going to be plenty of opportunity for you to be pulled away from what you really enjoy doing. Right. But how do you handle those things is the question. Right. And that's a, that's a, that's an interesting part. So, that's really interesting because like, you know, that ability to learn and ability to do different things. Mm-hmm. So when you, if, if that person hurts their ankle right. and, and they're a runner, yeah. they can go one of two ways. They can either say, well, yeah. I can't run now for three months because I have a high ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. If they're of the mindset that you're talking about, they can, they would go and say, mm-hmm. well, like, well, I can't run, but I can swim. Yeah. So I'm going to work on my swimming for yeah. the next, for the next two months. It's just being open. It's being, it's almost mm-hmm. like it's being adaptable is really what Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. What do you, what's the. This is the question that it's, it's the next set of questions are the ones that I'm going to, I'm going to pretend that this, these are for our audience, but these are all largely for me <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. So I'm going to pretend it's for everybody listening and I hope everyone listening gets we, something out of this. It's very but, scary uh, with you, with your list of questions over there. I yes. feel like, you know, I'm being interviewed here. It does feel like an interview. <laughs> um, what role does diet play in total health? And by diet, I mean like nutrition, not like being on a specific diet. I know. So I think it's the 80-20 rule. Okay. Tell me that. I think it's nutrition, 80%, movement and physical work, 20%. 20%. I'm just going to sit over here and cry for a few minutes. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Oh my God. It's a big deal. Yeah. I see that. I see that in my, I see that in my own life Mm -hmm. only because I mean like, well, I'm going to be very vulnerable here for a second. Um, I work out four times a week at Stratum. I play football on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I usually surf on Saturday. That sounds like a great little setup you have. It's pretty nice setup. <laughs> and and I'm 47 years old. And my body fat percentage is definitely higher than I would want it to be. Mm-hmm. I also, because I don't eat meat, I do eat fish. Wow, you're a vegetarian. Well, I eat fish. Wow, I, I had fish. no idea. Yeah, because I don't. You don't publicize it. See, yeah. you're doing exactly. that. You're you're I'm following doing, the right. right I'm following rules. one rule correctly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why do I? I mean, I don't care what anyone thinks. What I do, and I don't care what anyone else does. Quite honestly, when it comes to that stuff, but I know for a fact that if I ate better or was better at certain things, and as it came to nutrition and diet, which I have follow-up questions for you on that, that I probably could drop my body percent down significantly from where it's at. It's probably at 20%. No, that's no, not high. It's probably between 18 to, 18 to 20%, depending on the day. But it's kind, of, <laughs> it's kind of funny though, because like, it's like, I'm like, I'm a pretty active dude. Yeah. You know, like, it's not like I'm a dude who's like, Hey, I'm going to go work out. And by workout, I mean, I'm going to go play golf for four hours. Like, you know. Well, here's something to throw you into a tailspin. I wonder if you're not eating enough. See? So it's not only eat better, it's is it right for you? Not eating enough. And that's a whole nother journey. And I will tell you, you know, Blake and Eric have been really helpful to me in making sure that I'm aware of are you eating enough for all of the things that you do? Cause I naturally just don't want to go eat a lot of food. I'm not super into it. And maybe that's a, a, a good thing in some ways, but 
there is a need and there is a group out there of people that need to eat a lot to sustain their sport. And there are those that need to eat less to optimize their health in a different way. So, um, you know, diet is a, a powerful and emotional uh, thing for people to address. Yeah. And um, m- most people could benefit from drinking a little bit less, being aware of the amount of sugar and refined carbohydrates in their diet, and slowly working to reduce them. Those two simple things could change people's life. Drinking less, drinking alcohol less. Yeah. And then being aware and slowly reducing the sugar and refined carbohydrates in the diet. And the reason I say slowly is because the mentality of totally on, totally off is not healthy because sugar is pretty gnarly and it's going to come back to bite you. And if you take it out of your diet after you've been used to it, you're going to, you're going to hit a wall and you're going to, you're not going to know what happened to you. And it isn't necessarily sugar just in the white sugar that you might pour in your coffee or the cake that you might have to celebrate or cookies that your wife makes or you make or whatever. I mean, it's sugar in um, eating pretzels and, you know, breads and pretzels have sugar. Well, you know, it's, you know, it's going to be stored as sugar in your body if you're not burning it. So the refined carbs, the processed carbs. So those things turn to sugar Um, and it is, you know, your body gets used to that and it wants it. Um, so, you know, your, your taste that you've acquired for certain foods slowly needs to change so that you can easily eliminate them from your diet. So cutting sugar and cutting refined carbs slowly, slowly is a better move than just trying to do it cold turkey. For sure. Cause I've tried to do it cold turkey and it's like, Mm-mm. it's too hard. Your cravings are too it was, powerful. It was, it was brutal. Cause I'm a sugar freak. Like I'm not, my wife is a salt freak. She loves yeah. that stuff. But for me, it's all sugar. Like, well, I will tell you. And if my husband was here, he would be like, she's a dessert queen. In fact, I think my shirt might even have something that says it something does. about Your desserts, shirt, which is really kind of funny. What does my shirt wearing, say? It says something like the short, eat dessert. There first. you go. And she's and sitting and she's like, has a strawberry or a, some kind of, it's a strawberry shake Sunday yeah. strawberry shake on her shirt. Yeah. As we're talking about diet nutrition. I just noticed that. I, yeah, I do. And I, I didn't wear this shirt on purpose. I wore it because my husband's not home right now and he does the laundry oh. and I don't have much to wear. So, <laughs> so that's, that's why so I wore it. <laughs> so, but I love cake. And I love ice cream and I love, uh, I think one of my favorites is like a mud pie. So good, right? Love these things. And as an endurance athlete, you can eat this stuff all day long and it's like no problem. But um, I actually never felt like I needed to get rid of that stuff in my diet, but my training changed. And when my training changed, I didn't want that stuff anymore. Interesting. How did your training change when you went more for endurance? Well, my training went from very high volume uh, endurance running, right? Endurance cycling running to probably cutting my volume 70%. Going strength. And doing more strength work along with, you know, conditioning. Um, But the sugar cravings went away when my body stopped needing them for the training that I was doing. Gotcha. And I can remember talking to um, a coach, you know, when I was getting ready to run the Rhode Island Marathon four years ago. I had run 18 miles and he's like, literally Trish, you should go home and have some chocolate cake. And I thought to myself, that is so weird to tell somebody that, right? you know, because what if I have some sort of eating disorder and I have this compulsive behavior, like encouraging people to eat chocolate cake is probably not a good thing. Not a good thing. But his point was you need some carbohydrates to replace what you've burned. Right. And there's other ways to get them. Uh, potatoes are an awesome way to get them. Um, beans are a great way to get them. Pastas are a good way to get them. Um, but I, I but the th- needs of an endurance athlete are totally are different totally than- different. And I felt the cravings go away and stop. When that happens, it makes it easier to leave those food choices on the table that may not be so healthy for you because you're not saying, "God, I really, really want that." So that's one way to avoid, to, to, to help curb the cravings is look at the training that you're doing. Are you craving sugar? You're probably overtraining. You could, you could potentially be overtraining. You need to look at that. 
Um, Is it a legitimate need? Did you run 18? Like, do you need some sugar? Go have some and don't freak out about it. Yeah. Um, And the other thing is, you know, understanding that it's kind of like a, uh, they say like a negative feedback loop, right? Once you have what like lays, you can't just eat one, right? right it's right. the same thing. I mean, if I have a cookie, it's probably going to be harder for me to say no to the second one. Sure. Cause you're already in. You, you already, already did it. It's like having Toblerone. I think that's why they make Toblerone in those triangle God, pieces. I know. I love Toblerone. Yeah. Those are I love good. Toblerone. Those are good. I know. Which so, one do you like better? Do you like the white chocolate one or the regular chocolate one? I don't like the dark chocolate one. I haven't had the white chocolate. I don't really. So I don't. Yeah, no, I haven't had the white so chocolate good. one. So I haven't anyway, had it. we uh, we. I'm going off topic on that, so I will stop because <laughs> I could talk about Toblerone all day long because it's like the greatest thing in the world. But I do want to add to that that the founder of CrossFit, uh, Greg Glassman, has been a very outspoken uh, leader in the fitness industry, bringing awareness to the consumer about the power of um, sugar mm-hmm. and carbohydrates because you know, what was it like late nineties, early two thousands, fat free, fat free, everything's fat free. free. You'd have a whole thing of Oreos fat free and it's okay. And then socially it becomes acceptable. Oh, it's fine. It's diet Coke. Oh, it's fine. It's fat free Oreos. Well, no, no, it's not. It's not fine because there's sugar alcohol in those, um, snacks and that makes your body want more sugar. Right. And they're also just not natural. Right. The end of the day. Yeah. And they're not. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, it tricks your brain. So your brain's like, cool, I need more sugar. So then you crave that more. Right. So you're really not helping yourself, right, you know? Right, right. And I think there's more conversation about that and there's more public awareness about it. But, um, you know, sugar and, and carbohydrates, aka low fat, let's just say low fat snacks, doesn't mean it's it's healthy for you. So when you say low carbohydrates, and I... Uh, I want to go to my next question in a second, but when you say low carbohydrates or reducing carbohydrates, is there like an, is there like a, an amount you think on a daily basis somebody should have in terms of like percentage, like protein, carbs, It depends so much on the person. It truly depends on the person. And there's this whole concept of, you know, counting macros, which is um, understanding and dividing out the percentage of um, protein, fat, and carbohydrates that you take in. There's different methods that um, somebody that. could follow. Like you could do like a, you know, a paleo diet where it's higher in protein. Um, you could do one that's a little bit higher in carbohydrates and lower in fat. You could do one that's higher in fat and lower in the other two food, right. and, you so know, macronutrients. And so it is individualized, but, um, and, and that's where like the individual's physical work and their age and their hormone levels are going to dictate what works for them. Right. So like I have a client who she really wants to lose weight. And, um, so I said, you know what, let's just see what you're eating. Let's just, let me, let's see it. Let's look at it. And she had put into the app that, uh, she wanted to lose weight. She put in her age, all this stuff. And the app in the app told her that she needed to eat 1200 calories a day. It doesn't seem like a lot. Way too little. So that made it really hard for me because I said, look, your base metabolic rate, which is just your metabolic rate to exist, is 1300 calories based on just, you know, simple assumptions here for you. Not assuming that you're going to train one day a week with me and run another day a week. I'm not, I'm not even putting that into the equation. And I said, I think you should have 1,700 to 2,000 calories a day, and I want to see how you feel. And it was like pulling teeth to get her to get to 1,500 because the app told her she needed to have 12, and that was going to be most optimal for her. And um, people can eat too little. You know what I'm saying? And they use these apps thinking that it's going to be the forever, you know, the most perfect way to go. Because we tend to trust digital information. It's been tested and, right, you know, we trust it. Um, But there's more to it than just that. So, you know, making slow diet changes and evaluating how your body is adjusting to them is truly the best way to go about it, honestly. And it's not fancy. It's not easy to package up in a box and wrap a bow around it and say, this is what I'm doing. It's going to work. And in eight weeks, I'm going to be X, Y, Z weight, or I'm going to be lifting whatever it is, or, you know, it's a slow, it's a process. It's a slow process of change. Do you think along those lines, do you think 
Because you're bringing up kind of an interesting point. So because all of this is so customized to some extent mm-hmm. and so individualized for each person, do you think there are some just general rules that people can follow or habits they could follow? Like, are there, you know, top five things, three or four or five things that you could follow to become healthier? Like as an example, one would be- Eat breakfast. Redu- yeah, reducing sugar. Eat reducing breakfast. sugar. Eat breakfast. Um, can we talk about breakfast for a second? We can. It's a controversial topic. Okay. Can I, can I give you my impression about breakfast? Give it to me. Okay. I hate breakfast food. I know. A lot of people hate it. I can't stand it. I'm sure there's some listeners who love it. And there's I'm probably sure there's, more that don't. Yeah. Really? Yes. Okay. So build me a couple, give me a couple good breakfasts that we can all have because I can't stand it. Well, it de- the breakfast type will depend on the person. Okay. Just all right. Throw a so couple out I'm going to throw a couple out there. I'm going to use my favorite breakfast. Which is? Which is, I like yogurt. And I like yogurt for the fat, the sugar, the little bit of sugar, mm-hmm. um, the protein. Okay. And I like almonds and granola for the texture for the almonds, the fat, the nutrients, the sugar and carbohydrates for the granola. Okay. So in my breakfast, it's light because I'm active within an hour of eating it. Okay. I've got protein, carbohydrates, a little bit of sugar, and fat. Those are all really good things that I need right. for my breakfast. Many athletes will have a power breakfast in terms of a huge breakfast. Fat, eggs, bacon, a, a, a hearty breakfast that most people would really like. That for me doesn't work. If I ate that breakfast, I would go to bed. That wouldn't so work heavy. for me. It's too much for me. Yeah. I personally do better when my calories are taken at the end of the day. Many people are not like that. Many people need most of their calories up front. Others need to break them out during the day in smaller bits. So again, it depends on the person. But giving your body a little bit of fat in the morning, there are studies that say it helps your body uh, utilize fat later in the day. Um, but overall, if it is balanced with a little bit of fat, it tends to, and protein, it tends to mitigate cravings. And, okay. and that would be the, the, the main reason I would say have something for breakfast. Um, and the result may not be, um, you know, I, what I, you know, perfect for everybody, but for, for many it's worth trying. Um, so, you okay. know, so have a breakfast. balanced breakfast is a good thing to look at. Give me something else. Give me two or three other ones besides yogurt. Oatmeal. 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 Interesting. Okay. And oatmeal with um, protein. So you can buy vanilla protein, put it in your oatmeal. So now you've got carbs. You can put some butter in it for your fat and you've got some protein. Yeah. You could also put peanut butter in it for your fat. In oatmeal? Yeah. It's really good. It sounds pretty good. Some maybe little little uh, dark chocolate chips on it for just a little bit of sugar. That sounds good too. See, that's good. Okay. Oatmeal, yogurt. Anything else you can think of? Uh, a lot of people like breakfast sandwiches, like yeah. ham, eggs. Yeah. You know, with some, with some like cheese. wheat toast yeah. or cheese. And that's a good breakfast too. Yeah. Just something easy. You know what else is a good breakfast? No, is, I don't. Is a very healthy breakfast is, um, and you know, I'm not talking about going down to, you know, a taco shop and getting a tortilla full of lard, but right. a, you know, whole wheat tortilla for some fiber, um, which is a whole nother topic that we should talk about is fiber, by the way. Sure. Okay. Um, and in like an egg, a veggie, um, egg burrito or, uh, one with sausage in it, you know, like a, a good, a good, healthy, like yeah. California style, they call them breakfast burrito. Those are great too. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I, again, I will have to try some of these cause I'm not a breakfast guy. My breakfast usually is I have a protein powder mm-hmm. shooter that I just mix with water mm-hmm. and I have that. And then I'll have a piece of fruit around 10. And that may be fine for you. That, yeah. that, that may be fine for you. I, I have to tell you that you may not be eating enough. Which is amazing. Yeah. That would be amazing. I mean, I would like to see your food diary, actually, if you could do it for two weeks, because we could talk about it. Yeah, maybe I will do Mm -hmm. that. I will do that. My problem is not 
I think my, I think most of the, most of the time during the day, my diet is decent. Mm-hmm. I eat primarily vegetarian, some fish. Mm-hmm. I have a snack period between probably three and class. So between three and four thirty, mm-hmm. well, I'll have like, you know, peanut butter filled pretzels. I know those are not good for you. I have, you know, We'll go out and get a coffee and I might get a cookie or something like that. I cannot believe I'm telling everybody else. What well, you're not eating enough. Yeah. Like but you're then, like a bird. Yeah. But then, and then after, <laughs> after like a bird. not exactly built like a bird. I'm built like a penguin. You're like a, a bird. bird. <laughs> That's actually not true. Not a penguin. But, uh, but then at night, but then at night, like when everyone in my house goes to bed and I'm still awake and I want a snack. That's when I'm hitting the chocolate. Yeah. Or I'm hitting chips or something yeah. like that. So that, that's a tough thing. Um, so you've got to, we've got to, you know, clarify when I say eating enough, we want the right. Right stuff. The, we want the right nutrients, right? So we want a little bit of fat. We want that protein. Right. We want some carbohydrates that are complex in nature, right. not going to go straight to your bloodstream. Right. Um, and we want, we want fiber too, because Tell me about fiber. Fiber, I don't know anything about fiber. fiber helps the f- feeling of satisfaction. Feeling full. Yes. And it, it does mitigate cravings through the lower parts of the day. And it also helps you go to the restroom, which is a huge, huge deal. And um, and I actually just read that a study came out that said, if you want to lose weight, like get your poo-poo analyzed because they can talk to you about all the different bacteria that's in your large intestine. Um, you know, and your immune system is, um, fed by those, those, the bacteria in your large intestine. Right. So that's why I'm a fan of yogurt. I, I believe that it's very healthy for me to have that. Um, some people can't tolerate dairy. There's al- other alternatives that you can get for the probiotics that you would find in bacteria that can come naturally and don't, you don't have to supplement. Um, but, uh, my point is, is that, you know, proper elimination on a regular basis, whether it's twice a day, once a day for you, whatever it is, is a very important part of your body getting rid of excess things it doesn't need. Um, and that's a whole topic that you could probably do a podcast on, honestly, but it's pretty important stuff. Hmm. Okay. That's good to know. It's really important stuff. Okay, so we talked about eating breakfast. Yeah, getting enough fiber. Yeah, reducing sugar. Yeah, what what are two other things I can do or people can do to become healthier? Well, I already told you guys you got to sleep more. Sleep, right? Sleep is one. Okay, one more. Move. 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 Some type of movement. Some type of movement. Do you do some type of movement every single day of your life? Yes. You ever take a day off? I move. I don't look at it as on or off. You know, if I'm Mm. not, I hold on, let's talk about that. Variability. So you don't think of it. And, and again, Trish is arguably the, one of the healthiest people I know. And you're close to my age relatively. I'm 43. How old are you? 47. Okay. So I'm close. Yeah. You're close and is in incredible shape, but it's interesting this to, you don't, really look at it as working out. You call you're looking at it as movement. You do it every day and it's just part of your life. Mm-hmm. You've just made it part of your life, mm-hmm. which is interesting because you don't look 43, not that 43 is old. I mean, I'm 47. Yeah. So, but you look easily 10 years younger than you are. Do you think that, that your diet and your commitment to movement has helped you in some levels almost reverse the aging process or slow it down at least? I don't know. I hope so. You know, I want my joints and my bones and my muscles to be able to work hard their whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's super important to me. I would think it, it, it does. Okay. It's a, a way for your body to, in your mind to release stress. And, um, you know, you can release that stress many different ways. So, sure. you know, we can exercise in a more meditative state where we might do yoga mm-hmm. and focus on breath and more of, of an internal kind of peaceful flowing type of movement. You can do Tai Chi, you could go walking, you could run, um, you could do more cyclical work where you're just kind of breathing. Yeah. And that's one way to release tension and stress. 
Um, but then there is a more focused um, way of doing it where strategy is involved, like with rock climbing or mm. uh, with weightlifting. We're tying your mental into the body. It's right. funny you said that about the meditative thing. I find that, you know, like I'm not a person who can sit still for very long. So I find some of my most meditative moments are in the midst of movement. So yeah. like I was thinking about this the other day, we were at, we were at the gym and we were doing, um, we were doing hang power cleans and I was very focused on, and I'll have to link this in the video so people can see what a hang power clean. I was very focused on bringing the bar, you know, up my legs, flipping it, land, you know, catching on my shoulders, keep my elbows up. And it was almost, it was almost meditative, even though it was super loud in the gym, Yeah, tons of music, people talking, but like, I was so focused on what I was doing. I almost felt like, like I was in another world doing my own it's thing. exactly what I'm talking about. And where it's super you're loud. So focused on that task. Yeah. I'm right? so focused on that experience. It's very similar to surfing where like very. you're, you're paddling out, yep. you paddle for a wave and then you get in the wave and then you're just for a very brief moment. You're super focused on where you're at right now mm-hmm. and what you're doing. So like if I paddle in for a wave and I, I paddle and I catch a wave, the moment I catch the wave, I'm not thinking about no. my email. Nope. I'm not thinking about work. Yep. I'm not thinking about you know family stuff. I'm not thinking about anything that's going on with any of my friends. I'm thinking about where am I on this wave? Yeah. What am I doing? Yeah. I, and I'm enjoying it. And it's the same thing with the with the Hank Power Cleans and, and a lot of the exercises that we do. Like I'm 100% focused on it. And I think it's, a lot of times in my head, I'll think like, have a good rep, like do a good rep. Like, You're focused on yourself. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I find that to be very relaxing. It is. Yeah. Which is kind of counterintuitive because it's a super heavy weight yeah. in a crowded room. Yeah. It's usually, you know, it can be hot and loud music and people banging thing, you know, dropping weights and it's super loud, but it's really, it, it forces my mind to really quiet down, mm-hmm. focus and and it's almost like no one else is around when I'm yeah, doing it. Yeah, it it's very much that way. And it's, you know, you think about all of the different um, elements of your day and how many times you're multitasking through the day. The whole day. The whole day. And the you can't day. multitask when you're trying to do an Olympic lift. Um, in contrast, if you go for a long bike ride, you can process problems that you might have encountered during the day, or you can, I, I know, I know I like to problem solve. Like that's how I kind of process things is I'm going to go for a walk and kind of think about this. Right. Um, so, you know, you can't really problem solve when you're trying to do more complex work, but that can be a very healthy thing. It gives your mind a break. Right. And, um, my guess would be if you walked into the gym and you went through a workout that was very technical and you focused on it and you stepped out of that gym an hour later, you my guess is that you not only feel better mentally, but you may have come up with a solution to the problem that you yeah. may have had. Before. I definitely, a lot of times I will go into the gym and I will have something going on with work or some, some other type of stress that I'm you know concerned about or whatever. I will leave the gym. I'll be completely relaxed. And that stress or that problem will be, I'll have more perspective around it. Exactly. And sometimes I'll have a solution to it, but probably yeah. more important for me is sometimes I'll yeah. just have better perspective. I totally and like, understand. Hey, if this problem actually goes really bad, like it's okay. And you know, things will still be okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas an hour and a half before that, I wasn't feeling that way. And I was just completely stressed. And I think that that's one of the great things about CrossFit and going to Stratum Fitness and finding this gym and mm-hmm. finding you and, and Blake and Eric is that it's such a respite from your typical day-to-day stuff. Yeah. And you can really focus on something for, you know, or almost like a hyper focus for a short period of time. And then the rest of your day, it's just kind of like you take, you know, you just let a deep breath out and you're like, ah, the rest of your day is just, is just chill. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, we have a lot of pressure socially. We have a lot of pressure, um, in our day-to-day existence, whether it be work or family, people are maxed out. They are redlined. Everybody I know is. They're redlined. I mean, it's insane. The The pace is just daunting. And for those people that are um, fortunate enough to have the priority to put that hour a day in, 
thank God for that because it's going to help you so much in all of the other things that you do. And that's a journey. That's a personal journey. And for many, it starts that way. They come in two days a week, three days a week for an hour, and they feel fine with their same dietary habits or, you know, there's no, they have no desire to change because at that moment in time, they're already feeling like they've progressed so much. Right. A year later, they may say, wow, I want to do more. What's the next step? And that's when the conversation becomes a little bit more complex and there needs to be some self-discipline there, you know, and you know, the fitness business doesn't want to tell you that they want to tell you that it's super easy and everybody can do it. And you see images on Instagram and it, you know, people make everything look so easy, but you know, it's just like anything else. You got to work hard. There's a process that will evolve as much or as little as you want it to. And I think being open-minded through that is just part of the development. Yeah. You know, what would, um, the last question I have for you is what, what, what advice would you give somebody who, like we talked about before is, is, has a more sedentary job, has a pretty v- busy life, whether it's family, career, or whatever, what can they do to improve their health right now? Well, if they're not interested or fearful to attempt a movement practice, we'll call it, whether okay. it be yoga or walking, running, uh, a more um, multi-sport type uh you know, attempt functional fitness, AKA CrossFit, going to 24 hour, whatever it is to move. If that's right. off the table, let's look at the diet. Okay. Because that's going to influence a lot for you. And that's going to drive oftentimes how you feel. I mean, we're just little bodies of chemicals. Right. And <laughs> that saying that you are what you eat, you know, right. it sounds so cheesy. But my guess is that if you ate McDonald's for two weeks, you'd probably feel pretty shitty. If you had, you know, salad, the other extreme for two weeks, you'd probably feel pretty hungry and low energy. And maybe you wouldn't want to, you know, even make a phone call that you need to make for work. You'd probably feel just really lethargic, lethargic and so the diets that we, we adopt affect our behavior. Yeah. Uh, so I would you say, see, do you see let's that a lot in there. people. You see that in people a lot where you see like, mm-hmm. you can like, you know, you see them acting in a certain way and you see it tied back to their diet. I don't too much, but I see them hit the wall in a workout often. Okay. And that's where I see it. Um, because I, I see them for an hour a day, right. usually. Right, right, right. Um, And I will see that often where they may eat. Uh, we had one gentleman who ate an egg McMuffin or an egg sandwich. And he came in within like a half an hour. And he started moving his body. And he got really sick from, from that. He ate at the wrong time, too high of, of fat content in his food, too soon before movement. That's going to affect you. Um, I've seen... Uh, people go through a conditioning piece and just kind of hit a wall and not really know why. And right. then I'll tell them to go, go get some coconut water and get a bar and they'll feel better just by getting a little bit of sugar in. So um, I see that. Um, I also, you know, will say outside of the gym, um, I have had people tell me I, I reduce the alcohol. Uh, I had one lady in particular, she's like, I swore off wine. It's been, two months and I'm feeling so good. Um, I'm feeling it in my workouts. I'm just, I'm feeling more energy. Right. I'm feeling better. And I, I thought that was interesting because this isn't somebody I've ever spoken to about, you know, alcohol. It was just something, a choice that she made. Um, but she said her sleep is better. Right. And um, it's taken about two months for her to see the change. See the change. And I thought that was interesting because we want to see it now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you're not going to drink, you want to know tomorrow you're going to feel really good. (laughs) And it doesn't really happen that way. Right. Um, So that's why I say like the process, you know, it's process. Um, So, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much for being here as always. We ran late, but your stuff is so awesome that I don't mind running. How late did we run? 
Well, usually I have podcasts. They usually go about 40 minutes, and I think we're at an hour or something. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. This is great. (laughs) It's fantastic. And thank you guys so much for listening. I will put a link to Trisha's information on the show notes. And you can also check out, she's going to be our MC at the event, at the Hero Up Summit event. So check that out at heroupsummit.com. And we will talk to you soon. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Jim. Hey, thanks for checking out the show today. For show notes, event updates, and tons of other free stuff, check out epicalday.com. And if you would, I would love it if you were able to leave a review on iTunes, as this really helps other people find our show. Thanks a ton. I appreciate you listening, and I'll talk to you soon.